0: Hey guys,
1: welcome to Slash Report. This is Crew, and I am joined as ever, and finally back again, my partner in crime, MK. What's up?
0: Uh, neither of us is dressed. It's like really early on a Saturday morning. Nothing has changed, except we're in the same time zone. Exactly! Which is why it's so exciting. It really is. Everyone has somehow missed it.
1: Part of the reason we had to bail out on season two early is that end of August, I had to quit my job and move back to america so that was horrible
0: (laughs) no it was good now you're so close i could just fly down it would take an hour that's true
1: the definition of like no it's great is kind of relative like i'm still wearing the emotional scars of having like moved countries again
0: yeah yeah but, you know, by the way, did you know that there is a gene for restlessness, and the people who have it tend to just, like, keep moving from different country to different country? Are you, you serious? Yeah, you probably this, have it. This is shit Actually, I'm so angry at my DNA right now. <laughs> that's why you're always like, I need to move. You, that cut,
1: That's exactly what it is. Like, you guys, like, listeners don't know this, but, like, typically speaking, maximum three or four months, I have the exact same conversation with MK where it's basically, like, I've been in this country too long. I need to go somewhere. And prior to, like, January 2000, I want to say 12 or, yeah, prior to January 2012, I had not taken a domestic flight in the U.S. for, like, seven years. Because every flight I took was, like, me going to an entirely different government. (laughs) Like, every single time. Every single time.
0: Well, if we go to Disney uh, this year, hopefully, did you know, I know you're making that face, you're like, fuck Disney. But did you know that once you enter Disney territory in Florida, it's, like, their own highway rules and their own law? Why does that, like, why does that freak you out? Like, why, like, I understand liking
1: elements of Disney, for one. I really enjoy the movies and drinking at Epcot. But, like, what, how does that not freak, she's making a face, she's, like, making her sheer unmitigated delight face. And I, like, can't even handle it because I'm just, like. That place scares the shit out of me, and I, like, don't, mmm, creepy mind control location.
0: I love it. I love it so much. It makes me so happy.
1: It's just brightly colored, and meant for people ages six and under.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, me at heart.
1: That's true. I can't really fight that. That is, that is actual fact fact.
0: No, the, uh, okay, so, guys, when we were in Japan, I accidentally bought a Pokemon calendar from McDonald's, (laughs) and I was like, how am I gonna do with a Pokemon calendar? Like, I like Pokemon, but, like, Really? And then I realized uh, my boss's son is, like, 11 and has a lot in common with me, and I gave it to him, <laughs> and he gave me a Star Wars thank you card. Well, I fully approve of that interaction, but guys, when she's
1: saying she accidentally bought a Pokemon calendar, she's not actually joking. Like, we were all in McDonald's because the Hoyden and I decided But anybody who has not experienced an Asian McDonald's is really missing out on their lives. Now, we didn't manage to get her to a KFC, but soon, soon, uh, <laughs> soon. But it, it's so mate, like, the food and everything is, like, quality and, like, menu-wise completely different. So we were, like, one of our final days in Kyoto, we're like, no, we're going. I don't care what you want. Like, shh, just come. Uh, and we dragged her in there. And the Hoyden and I were, like, happily chomping on, like, smaller burgers that they sell in the U of S or whatever the fuck they were. And we look up at the counter, and MK is just standing there looking confused. And she hasn't gotten anything yet. And the person who was serving her is like, disappeared. And we're like, what, how did you finish to fuck this up? Like, this is Donald's, like, what, even if you're an ugly Western person, like, they sort of know how to, like, work with you. <laughs> Seconds
0: later, she comes back with this fucking giant Pokemon poster, we're like, what, how? And she's like, I don't know! <laughs> she asked me something about my order, and I was like, it's probably easiest to just say yes. So I did, I was like, hi! And she left! She came back with a Pokemon calendar! The intriguing thing about this, MK, that
1: I find is that I went up there and I ordered. And the person went up there and she ordered. Nobody asked us if we wanted Pokemon calendars. And then, like, you, you didn't
0: bring anything up. You didn't point at anything. And she just looked
1: at you and she just, like, knew.
0: To be fair, I think I was wearing my Totoro backpack.
1: Yes, you probably
0: were. That might have been a sign. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, this girl, she's like 12 on the inside. You like Pokemon, don't you?
1: Yeah, check out this motherfucker. Let's get her some Pokemon. Uh-huh. Work up for missions. All right, no, we've gotten completely off topic already. I don't know how this happens every single time we talk.
0: But it's on topic. That's what we did on our winter hiatus.
1: We did. And that is our topic for this week. You know how every year at school, you went back to class loathsomely, and you had to write a report, like what I did during summer vacation. We are going to be recapping what we did over winter hiatus and as we were making a list, we realized that it was all terrible. We didn't do anything good. banishly, over winter hiatus.
0: Yeah, that's true. It was just it was just
1: escalating levels of like <laughs> this is this is a bad decision.
0: A series of email chains that are like, I hate all of you. Why are we friends? <laughs> Yeah, basically, I had like
1: three of those yesterday. Like, I woke up yesterday morning to like fifteen emails about a thing which we will discuss later. <laughs> that concluded with "I hate you guys.
0: I don't want to talk to you again."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, one of you, I don't even remember who. I More think than was one mayor. person probably expressed that sentiment.
0: Yeah, um, that was what was that was an exciting morning.
1: Yeah, sure. I learned a lot. Exciting.
0: <laughs> Shut up.
1: I'm giving you the thumbs up. You guys can't see me, but I'm doing the...
0: Are you wearing, like, some kind of gangster thug ring, too? Uh, no. This would be, like,
1: my inlaid shell ring from Spittlefields I've had for, like, the last six years. All right,
0: fine. It was, like, big, and it was, like, poking off your hand, and I thought that maybe if you punched me in the face with that, it would hurt extra.
1: It would. (laughs)
0: That's the... That's my primary criteria for purchasing rings. And your special hat.
1: My special hat that Lepicus bought me. It has like a special message on the front that I can't share with you guys because it's very private and spiritual
0: to us all. Spiritual? Oh, God. Oh, uh, should we talk about the slow winner first? We should talk about the slow winner first because you guys have been so patient
1: with us. And waited for so long. And part of the reason the slow winner thing took so long is because, A, we needed to build up the strength to reread all of your entries. All of them. Because you, you know, like, it was just so appalling. Um, I actually had to, co- I compiled a text file of all the entries on my computer. Did you really? That's like an evil text file. No, it is like, it, it's the darkest. It's the darkest version of reality sitting on my hard drive right now, basically.
0: Every dark um, timeline combined. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little <laughs> black, evil good nice um and I basically
1: like I was I I think you and I had basically brought it to two finalists we felt were the most yes extra special highlight double underscore bold face awful I wish you guys a- could
0: see the gestures she made to describe the strength of the slow it was really yep. <laughs> oh no I hate that gesture stop it no never thank you <laughs> um So we, we had like
1: narrowed it down to about two that we were like, this is awful. But then we both felt very strongly about the bad ones. And we had to like bring 20 something in and like various other people's opinions to help us break the tie.
0: But I feel like we made, I feel like we made the right choice. Yeah, no, I do. Because you know what, it like, it set the tone for entire season two, I would say.
1: It did. It did. It
0: was one of the earliest ones
1: out of the gate. But it was also one of the most traumatic ones, and one which has left scars that will be on me until I die.
0: Yeah, um, and, you know, I have friends now who are, like, fanish-adjacent and, like, sometimes in fandom, but let's say, like, for the most part, edging toward norm. And they now use a phrase from this to describe, like, horrible.
1: Yeah, legit. Um, So, first of all, let's talk about our runner-up, which you know, which didn't win the prize, but is so remarkable on its own. I don't know if you guys remember this one, but this is the, I'm opening the file. Please don't. Yeah. It. It is the one that is actually three stories that comes in at 300,000 words and involves various forms of worrying puppy play and quote unquote BDSM, et cetera. And families buying the puppy partner collars. Like just, I can't read the whole thing again, because I just, like, don't have enough holy water for that experience.
0: That's, that was so strong, and that was the runner-up, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, that was so strong in part because of content,
1: as well as length. You know, you absolutely have to give people props for length.
0: Oh, yeah. If, like, I mean, we slow through things all the time that are, like, 3 to 8k, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's quitter talk. Like, when you slow through something
1: that's 300k, like, Gemini... Oh, sorry, Jemmy999. Like, congratulations yeah. for the Jeff- runner-up. And, like, I had, like, a wince permanently etched on my face for, like, an hour after reading that one. But our actual slow winner of season two, MK, do you want to announce it?
0: <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> my phone rang, and I had to turn it on to vibrate. As punishment, I'm
1: putting the hat back on.
0: Oh, God, you're the worst. Um, I believe we refer to this one strictly as Bugcock, son of Bugcock. Legit. Uh, which is, it's a, God, <laughs> it's a bugcock story that is also father-son incest, uh, which I believe the girl told to a friend of hers who is 100% norm. Yes. And possibly they also, like, the bugcock had to eat the semen of the other partner in order to survive. But it wasn't, like,
1: it wasn't just semen, like, the bugcock the, fu- the, like, the daddy incest bugcock. cock. Yeah. It ejaculates maggots which have to be eaten by the owner of the bug cock. Oh. And then the bug cock eats the son's semen to live. So basically, like, you have two biological entities that are equal parts gross and attached to one person that is, like, double extra gross.
0: It, it honestly, like, I threw up a little in my mouth.
1: I just, you, you sit there and you're like, you know what? Like, I. I mm,
0: how? 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 how anytime we get to the point where we're just like how that's the. because <laughs> that's gonna you know what i'm going to brunch after this with some friends and i'm gonna be like eating my food and then i'm just gonna stop and i'm gonna be like how exactly now the other
1: reason that this one got special consideration um and the submitter for this by the way everyone is drew itself so give her a round of applause or your commiserations and sympathies whichever you feel is more appropriate in this yeah. situation. Uh, part of the reason that this one won is because she had originally heard about the bugcock phenomenon on Slash Report. And unlike unlike a normal person, she told her friend about it. And her friend went and found more bugcock. Like she basically was like, What? Is bugcock gross? I'm leveling up. I'm gonna get a feather and stick it in this bugcock's hat. Like
0: <laughs> just Yeah.
1: Really, really ambitious, go-getter slow behavior, which we do not endorse at
0: all. You know what? I endorse it, and yet I'm also afraid of you. Like, isn't this how evil is formed, like, in anime? Like, that person's gonna become the villain for the next season, right? Yeah.
1: He's just power mad, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure this is how, like, those guys started getting fucked up on Full Metal Alchemist. I'm just
0: saying. I think I failed out before it got extra dark on Full Metal? We, anyways, we can't talk about that.
1: Yeah, no, we'll talk about it some other uh, time. Yeah, another day. But congratulations again, Druid Spell, uh, your gift, <laughs> <laughs> your prize that we painstakingly designed and rendered. Guys, you is- don't even, okay,
0: wait, so I believe we told you guys last year, se- last season, and last year, yeah, that was last year of Jesus, um, that we would draw and specially design a t-shirt for the winner. And yes. we did. Prue went home, got <laughs> drunk, and had, like, a major injury to her hand or arm, and, like, you know, everyone was like, you probably shouldn't use that hand or arm. And she was like, it's cool. I just have to draw this bugcock special t-shirt okay. design. <laughs> uh, emailed it to me. And then at work, on my work machine, I cleaned it up and made it into like a lovely, yeah, it's great. It's hopefully we're going to print it today.
1: Yeah. There's literally nothing about the scenario that is terrible. Like I just gone to the doctor because I had like a, ser- a fairly bad elbow issue and she put me on prescription painkillers and muscle relaxants for it. I'm drinking Laura Palmer's and rolling on some like whatever pills that are still in the bottle in my bathroom. And so like, I'm talking- just like, I'm drunk as a right now. Some stuff that involves bugs and cocks with my like semi-broken hand. It was it was a good day all around. Like every good decision was made on that day. It was a
0: good like 48 hours, uh, followed by like multiple email chains to the group being like, Hey, here's a draft. Can everyone take a look and give me some feedback? And then Marilyn was like, Whoa, your Latin is wrong. We need to fix that. <laughs> that was a great moment. She was like, do you mind if I fix your Latin? And we were like, please, it really should be as accurate as possible. It's
1: possible. It's true. I Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, Druid Spell, we hope you enjoy
0: it. And the thing that it's going to come wrapped around. Yeah. Because I want that out of my house. We are sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, we're sorry about that. But you know what? You earned it. You totally
1: earned it. So it's coming to you, whether or not you want it or not.
0: Oh, that sounded filthy, and I don't, I don't, we have to move on. <laughs> It's two like minutes that. in, and we have to move on. Just
1: like that. No. <laughs> uh. All right. So that's part of what we did on Winter Hiatus. But we also wanted to recap some of, like, without your constant guidance and our regular shows being on the air. I think we both went sort of off the rails a little bit. A little bit. You less than me. Well, like I went and discovered some new magical lands. Because I was like, the existing fandoms that I'm in clearly don't punch me in the stomach enough, so I gotta go find some more stuff to be abusive toward me, emotionally.
0: I think you and I went <laughs> in two opposite directions. Yeah, you should talk about what you did. Uh, okay, well, I'm weak, and I watched, like, every British murder mystery, like, all of them. I believe I caught up on, like, all of Lewis, all of Death in Paradise. Uh, Which, like,
1: by is, like, I find horribly boring, so I find that really interesting.
0: I really like it. Uh, but you have to get past, like, the first two or three episodes. Anyways, and okay. then I watched- every
1: <laughs> and that's where I filled out. That's what do.
0: Yeah, see? No, you have to power through that. <laughs> you don't- clearly you don't know British television enough despite living there. <laughs> and then I watched, like, every British quiz show that exists, ever. <laughs> and The Mindy Project. And some other stuff. The Mindy Project is an interesting one, right? <laughs> I have to say, because I only watched the pilot
1: of The Mindy Project. But I found the opening so funny, and I loved the conception of her character as this person who just, like, has seen way too many romantic comedies and has all these, like, sort of insane assumptions of how her life and romantic history is supposed to go. Yes. But I also, like, there were two reasons I just, like, didn't keep on with it. Number one, too close. Too close. (laughs) Number two, I weirdly, like, don't necessarily find Mindy Kaling likable in this. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. You know what? If you keep it. watching there, are t- like she alternates between likable and just like that insane. I'm okay with someone being
1: that insane, but they have to be likably that insane. Yeah, if That makes more... that make sense at all. It's just like, I felt sort of like, even though like I should 1000% of um, sympathize with her and be like, I feel like the pro and like, take like a solidarity shot for every word she says. At the same time, I was kind of like, ugh, why are you, uh, I don't know, I'm not conveying this well, but it felt like there was some sort of, like, it was almost connecting, but not quite, and because it's, because she's a character that's so similar and understandable to me, I was like, that makes me extra not like it.
0: That's fair enough. I, okay, so, guys, if, if you haven't seen this, Mindy is a baby doctor. She delivers babies. I don't know what they're called. I don't like babies. Obstetrician. Thank you. One of those. Um, she pokes it on your vagina and a baby comes out. And she works in a small clinic with two hot dudes and an old man and a bunch of weirdos. And <laughs> uh, she's watched too many rom-coms. And she's like, I'm going to meet Prince Charming and everything's going to be perfect. And it's going to happen just like in a rom-com. But she's also a super nerd. So she, like, is simultaneously Tumblr and Prue and some crazy person. Like, combined, all rolled up into one. The That's, like, I,
1: the worst person in the world.
0: It's interesting. The reason I started watching it is because of, like, a bunch of GIFs on Tumblr, where it would be, the one that really sold me, which she's in an elevator with a bunch of, like, youths. And one of them says they're something, that they're making uh, an app to figure out which Avenger that you should uh, marry. And she's like, duh, Captain America, you don't need an app to tell you that. And I was like, Agreed. Hands down, like really, you're gonna marry someone else? No, you're gonna marry Captain America, let's be real. That's true. It's not like you it's not like the app is like which offender
1: should you fuck? Because all of those guys have different varying levels of attractive crazy. Right. But the only one who is marriage material at all. Steve Rogers. Captain yeah. yeah. Legit, agreed.
0: Anyways, and at that point it was like I have to watch this. Uh and it, <laughs> there's only like ten episodes or something out, so it did not take long. And they're half an hour each. Like they're short. Yeah. I mean it
1: opens great. Like the series has like a really, really strong, like open part of the pilot where she's like at the wedding of her ex boyfriend, who she had this like rom com like fairy tale falling in love with. She goes up to give a speech. She's drunk drunk off her ass, freaks out, like gives him a total takedown at his own wedding takes one last swig of booze, steals a tricycle or something, and bikes (laughs) up the backyards of the local neighborhood and falls into a fucking pool and someone has to save her from drowning. And I'm sitting here thinking like, oh man, this reminds me of some terrible nights in my life, right? And she gets arrested. Huh? And she gets arrested. And she gets arrested. So like, obviously there are a lot of parts of her that I sympathize with, but for some reason I just like couldn't I, I couldn't keep going. There was something about her that I was just like, I really should like you, but for some reason it's not working for me.
0: Well, you know, okay, so I have my thing with comedies where I find it quite difficult to watch most comedies because of a variety of problems. I just yeah. fast forward through chunks of the Mindy Project. Like, oh, I don't like this part. Fast forward. That's interesting. I mean, I should try that because I've never trained myself to do that. It's way better. That's how I watch The Office. I can't watch The Office without fast forward.
1: Legit, that's fair. The Office is one of the most uncomfortable comedies in the world,
0: and I hate Steve Carell.
1: <laughs> oh, I was I was just thinking about the UK version of The Office, which is like even worse. No, I can't even watch favorite. that one. It is good. Like the parts of it that are good are great, but it's so uncomfortable that it's yeah. like, ugh. No, definite, definitely, like, probably uncomfortable. Yeah. Both of us okay. Just so, like, so while I'm you good. were doing, pardon? No, go ahead. Well, while you were doing the Mindy project and watching. Every episode of Teen Wolf again and furthering your adventures into becoming Otherkin and Furry, their queen, Um, (laughs) I was doing something equally terrible, weirdly enough. Somehow, during winter hiatus, for reasons that are completely not clear to me, I managed to incept myself into social network fandom.
0: Oh, God, I forgot about that. That was the dark time. No, like, after, like,
1: years after the, like, after the movie came out and after the fandom had, like, gone very dormant again, like, I somehow, like, I don't know how, actually, you know what, that's a lie. I know exactly how this happened. Was it Marilyn? No, but, uh, hold on, let's see if I can find who the author is that I should be blaming this on.
0: Oh, because once I went to New York to visit Mare, and she made me watch Inception in exchange for me making her watch Scott Pilgrim. And that's how I got into Inception. It was a dark time. Okay, here this is exactly the way it happened. So just sitting around, I was
1: I don't I won't say I was bored, but there's certain authors whose work is so compelling and interesting and funny that even if it's not my fandom, I will totally read it. Light gets in is one of these authors, and she writes astonishingly good white collar effects. So if you've never checked her stuff out, Light Gets In all one word. Writes really good white collar fic, so I have her like tracked and wherever. And one day I get an AO3 notice for a social network fic by Light Gibson called "There I Fixed It." And I was like, that title is already funny. I like my um, the problem and the reason why I never got into social network as a fandom is because I know way too much about Facebook and like the cor- like the business half of that story, like from a factual historical point of view, like those people are way too real for me to handle the realness of it. And they're not actors. So like it took the RPS to a whole different sort of uncomfortable level. But so I'm just like, I'm not Because like, even though I really like Jesse Eisenberg, like way too much for someone who like, my major emotional connection with him prior to this movie was Zombieland. Like he was like a wimp in Zombieland. But my favorite wimp, and, and and he accidentally killed Bill Murray, so that was also a downer. But I like that guy way too much. But I was like, I can't do it. Like it doesn't matter. Like I don't care if he's like hypnotically good. Like I really don't want to watch a movie about Mark fucking Facebook Zuckerberg.
0: That and I do an asshole.
1: Yeah, and I don't need to know about like his whole big sad like emotional backstory for this like fucking website that I hate anyways, right? But, you know, like, it's in wrote the story. So I was like, all right, fine. I should throw my principles yeah, out the win. window. Read it now. It is one of the funniest stories I've ever read in my life. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you, like, the way that the fandom sets it up is that, like, Mark is a genius. But sort of incompetent with, like, normal people shit. And the basic premise of this story is that, like, he, for years since the lawsuit where he and Eduardo, like, stopped talking, whatever. Uh <laughs> Like, Mark has been going to him at, like, conferences and charity events and trying to fight with him. And Eduardo just, like, shuts him down, like, wants nothing to do with him. Until one day, Mark accidentally does something horrifically stupid and posts about it on Facebook. Or, like, just starts, looking, oh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And he starts, like, looking busted because he hasn't slept in, like, 48 hours or something stupid like that. And he's at a conference that Eduardo sees him at. And after Gawker has posted about how, like, maybe Mark Zuckerberg is dying of exhaustion, blah, blah, like... <laughs> radio silence eduardo walks across his conference room furious and all he does is stares at him for like a minute and says get some fucking sleep you look awful and leaves and mark is like heaven's just opened i have an in he's just showed me his weakness so like he proceeds to like engage in a campaign of self like self-sabotage where like he microwaves something with metal in it and blows it up like he destroys a toaster he decides to go hang out with Sean Parker and, like, tries to set his arm on fire and, like, just posts about it on Facebook, right? Trying to, like, win Eduardo's ire and his affection again. And you're just sitting there and it's like, this is so terrible and yet incredibly funny. Now, here is where the fake-out comes in for this story. Social Network is not a funny fandom. It is a fandom that is very not filled with funny. It's a fandom that is filled with people being sad and having feelings about people who had, like, who made terrible life decisions when they were 19 and are still paying for it on some level as they get older. And it's just like, I totally tricked myself into this fandom. So like I showed up, I read that story. I was like, God damn it. I want more. I read a couple more and I was like, these are all really sad. So then I read every RPS Jesse Andrew story that existed on the internet. Basically. Yes.
0: When we were in Japan, I ran out of things to read. Did you read some too? Yes. Oh, that's so good. Do you not remember this? I was sitting there and I was like reading shit on my phone. And I was like, hmm. The Hoyden is like, what are you reading? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Because that's all you guys were talking about. I was like, fine, I will read this fucking giraffe story. And I was like, this is cute. I hate this fandom. I'm leaving. So cute, right? But that's the problem. So I read every single RPS story, which were
1: all like lovely, happy, sweet, cute stories. Yes. And then I and I was like but I it's November I'm crazy right now I clearly need more so then I read like every social network fic ever written
0: and made yourself really depressed
1: yeah made myself really depressed stamped myself into writing a social network fic when I should have been doing like eight other things
0: yeah don't do that it's
1: too to, late like, like I've already gone down that dark
0: path I'm there like I have real estate here now yeah congratulations well, your life is dark no, it was a good. It was it was a
1: good decision. I was really, I was just really glad that that happened to me.
0: <laughs> no, no, really, really happened. I feel to like me. you are the victim, and yet you are blaming the victim. Like I don't even. It's a. <laughs> 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 it's, it's true. That shit just got real.
1: I I know. It was so meta, but you know what? As as terrible as like ugh, the twisting the knife in the wound of the Mm -hmm. social network was that was some other shit that was cool came out that we both enjoyed and i think that that would be skyfall
0: oh yeah no you know what skyfall fuck i really enjoyed it i went with like a group of like nine or 12 people like a big group yeah most of whom were dudes and they were like yeah skyfall it's gonna be awesome whatever let's bro out all of the girls were like q is hot the new m is hot bond is hot and we left the movie, and all of the girls were happy, and all of the boys were sad. Why are they sad? They were like, that movie was terrible. We didn't like it. It was dumb. Like, stupidest Bond movie we've ever seen. And all the are you girls... serious? Yeah, they hated it. But this That's is... really interesting. Right? But this is, again, I have the same thing with Die Hard, which is all of the girls I know love Die Hard 4, and all of the guys I know hate it.
1: Your guy friends are weird. Everyone I know loves Die Hard 4. This is interesting specifically because I feel like there's a perception that it's like a divide between old school Bond fans and Craig Bond fans, like new school ones. Mm -hmm. I grew up on the James Bond movies. Like, my dad used to have, like, the VHSs. And, like, every year we would watch all of them.
0: And remember when that network used to do every year the 007 Days of Bond? Marathon? Yeah, like, I
1: used to watch them every Every year. year. I love the Bond movies.
0: Now, I have
1: different levels of affection for varying Bonds. Like, my actual favorite Bond, and this is not because of talent or film quality promise, is Pierce Brosnan, because he was a contemporary Bond of my childhood. Like, the same way that I will always love Bill Clinton a lot, (laughs) because he was, like, the president of my childhood. Pierce Brosnan was the Bond of my childhood. Now, in terms of most iconic and, like the bond that everyone holds as, like, a gold standard, Sean Connery, like, hands down, is that bond.
0: I agree but with you 100%. I,
1: yeah, I feel like it's really interesting that they dislike this movie, because I feel like if you came out of Quantum of Solace, saying, like, that was a hot fucking mess, like, what the hell, yes. that is completely legitimate argument. But in terms of like the three Bond movies that Craig and company have done, Casino Royale was stunning. Like that was a great reboot to the franchise after it got weirdly bogged down with like shitty dumb stuff at the end of the Brosnan era. And I feel that Skyfall was fabulous. And I had gone in with major reservations. Like I was very concerned because Bond is more a vehicle for other stuff than anything and like you're not supposed to know things about james bond so when in all the trailers and materials about the movie and i refuse to be spoiled so i basically just read like the official like promo stuff and that was it Mm -hmm. they were saying that we were going to learn more about james bond's history and i was just like i don't really know if i want that because that's not the point of james bond james bond is this fabulous fantasy that every person has in one way or the other like either you want to be him or you want to fuck him and I always wanted to be him and like you don't need a backstory for that you just need the trappings of him right yeah but I felt like they balanced it really well and I think that they took a movie that exists on like it works on a very old school level like the points they make are extremely valid right like what is the purpose of espionage on the level that Bond does in the modern era when everything is accessible through computers and you know you have Q as like the interesting new quartermaster and i thought that was a brilliant stroke of casting totally. and an interesting decision um i think that that was like a really interesting tension that they put into the movie and so while the movie was more insular and more about mi6 than the other ones like there was not really like a crazy country that we hated this movie <laughs> I had a better tighter film for it Now, I had other problems with the movie, but it had very little to do with whether or not I felt it had betrayed the Bond franchise.
0: I didn't feel it had betrayed the Bond franchise. Okay, so like you, uh, Pierce Brosnan was my favorite Bond, partly because he's the Bond of my childhood, and partly because (laughs) in middle school, when everyone else had pictures of, like, Hanson in their locker, I had pictures of Pierce Brosnan, and I was like, yeah, that dude is hot. How much of that was because of GoldenEye, the video game? Okay, Okay. well, first I saw the movie, and I loved that movie, because GoldenEye, I would say, is Pierce Brosnan's best Bond film. It is film. best. It is his best movie. And it's my favorite Bond film, like, of all time. I love the 006, 007 story. Like, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love all of the action. I love, like, the chase and the sneaking around, and the end with, like, the fucking pen exploding and Boris. Beautiful. Like, that will never not be funny to me. It's funny right. forever. And then, the best Bond game of all time! Like, I mean... what's the greatest video games, period, of all time. Yeah, and, okay, here's the thing that people might not know about the GoldenEye game, is that originally, it wasn't supposed to have multiplayer mode. Some dude was like, fuck it, I'm making multiplayer mode and sneaking it on. And they were like, oh, fuck, it's on there, we should, like, recall it or whatever? No, the entire world was like, multiplayer, the best thing we've ever seen in our lives, this is all we're doing for eternity. And lo and behold, like it's been how over. Was my, a how
1: much of my middle school years did I spend playing GoldenEye at my friend Stephanie's house? A million, a million years.
0: How much of my life have I spent playing GoldenEye? Like a lot, Forrivers. forever, forever. Game. It's so good. There's a reason I still have two N64s. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Do you remember the other shit that was running parallel to that game being released?
1: Do you remember Oni coming out? No, because I didn't care. Just, no, 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 the only reason I point this out, right, is because GoldenEye, the playing experience was so fun, and the multiplayer mode was so fun, and then, like, your other options were stuff like Oni, which still, to this day, has some of the worst user controls that I can remember, <laughs> it's basically, like, playing Q-Op with, like, a thing, like, if you're, like, Oni's 2, I think, was back then, and you're, like, fucking, like, what the hell is going on, like, you're trying to run straight, and you keep hitting a box, like, That is my memory of trying to play Oni. Whereas in
0: Bond, in the Goldeneye game, they built in, like, eight different control styles. And everyone could play however they wanted, and it felt really natural, and you could just, like, throw proximity mines at people and watch them burn. (laughs) So good. I would also say that while Tomorrow Never Dies is a shit movie, the game of that is actually pretty good and has some new multiplayer modes that I really enjoyed. Like King of the Hill and Capture the Flag.
1: Enough. Well, I think the other interesting thing that one must note about the two, the differences, and we should probably at some point do like a larger, more in depth, like James Bond episode. And if any one of you listening is a Bond aficionado, we would love to have you on because between MK and I, I'm the only person who like gives a significant damn about James Bond. So I it's need true. somebody else in my corner here. Um, I love Bond superficially. Yeah. But, like, I, I love Bond in, like, a terrible, dark, like, not even vagina way. Just, like, in my heart of, like, I'm going to be a spy one day way. It's um, too close to home. Yeah. And I feel like one of the most interesting things about it is how well they navigated the different versions of Bond that have been out there, right? Like, Pierce Brosnan is, like, so smooth, right? Yeah. The quintessential suave player who charms the fuck out of everybody. And that's and he never felt like he was in danger, There never felt like there was truly any major threat. Like he was always going to be fine. He was just going to float on top of everything. Yes. Daniel Craig's James Bond is very raw, impatient and sort of like a brutal thug of a human being wrapped in beautiful tailoring. And every time in a movie, he's always like blown shit and like an open wound of feelings that he refuses to acknowledge he has. And that's such an interesting play And, like, so many different interpretations, and I feel like he's the first Bond that has actually gone to that place emotionally, which I actually was
0: interesting. That's why I thought it was amazing when, in this movie, he goes through the whole physical, and you were like, he is failing this physical, but they tell him he passed, and you're like, there's no way that he passed. And then later, like, you find out, like, for sure, he definitely failed that, but he still has to complete, he has to, like, save everyone, and, like, fuck everything, and kill, and you're just like... That's reasonable because he's Bond. That's what it's, he should do.
1: Absolutely. It's amazing. And the other really great thing about this, I thought, was um, the relationship they showed you between M and Bond. Yes. Like the story. Like, I walked out of that movie, like, in my head, all I really wanted to do, and I will never have time to do this. Like, by the time I actually have time to do this, I won't want to do it anymore. But I, all I wanted to do was write the story about how M recruited Bond.
0: Yeah. And you've told, like... Guys, I wish you could hear it, but you shouldn't, because then you'll really want it and it will never happen. It's amazing. Like, I love the way that they played that relationship between the two of them. Absolutely. Now, however, I do have to
1: say, the one thing that I came out of that, I really enjoyed the show that of that don't get me wrong. Yes. The one thing I did come out of that movie with that I was very dissatisfied with is how they did a total reversion to the old boys club. Like, it was so underlined, highlighted, and textualized in the film. It was actually sort of ridiculous. So, we start the film in like the modern MI6 headquarters that kind of overlooks the Thames. And, like, you have the big windows and like Judy Dench M at the table with her bulldog and her laptop. And you have Money Penny out in the field shooting people. Like, fuck everybody. Like, that was this impossible shot. And she wasn't the one to make that call. So, like, nobody should crap about it. and all this other stuff. And then by the end of the film, M is dead. Our new M is a man again. And not only in, not only is he a man, but he's not in the offices anymore. He's, like, in an old wood-paneled... Yeah. In, like, a gentleman's
0: room. club boardroom.
1: Exactly. And Money Penny is sitting outside his door, either as an assistant or a as secretary. Now, I don't think that... I don't know if that was intentional... I don't know if the the summary theme I felt in this movie was times have changed, but sometimes we have to go back to the basics. So, like, no matter how good the internet is, some things you just need to do with a gun to do, which I, I'm okay with that. But I was not okay with how heavily they underlined this whole thing where it's like, you know what? We're just going to fridge one of the ladies and put the other one, like, at this table. It's fine. We're going to go back to classic Bond. Now, yeah. that's okay because... If you were always going to be classic Bond, like Bond exists in a universe where it's sort of like the Mad Men, right? Like the rules don't necessarily apply. Like Bond wouldn't be Bond if Bond didn't have like a Bond girl on an arm. Now, I would be totally thrilled if one day they, did, they decided to make like a Lady James Bond and that sort of shit. But like, I don't know that that's going to happen. I want it to, but I don't know that that's going to happen. So there's an entire aesthetic that goes around it. And it's okay if you perpetuate that aesthetic. But it was less okay for me that they had already broken out of that mold with the Craig movies and just decided to like go revert back to the old style. Like, I don't know if this bothered anybody else. I was having this conversation with like one of my best friends who's a serious Bond aficionado, and he and I both were like, "That was not cool." For like, that was the part that really jumped out. And like the same goes with like poor oh, I can't remember her name. That woman. Oh, that- Vesper. No, no, no! The one in this in Skyfall. Yeah, Vesper. No, Vesper
0: was from (laughs) Vesper was from Casino Royale. Shit! You know that girl on the island, the prostitute, right? Yeah, I I don't remember her name. I literally thought it was Vesper. No,
1: it's not Vesper. That's Eva Green, and that's from.
0: All right, I'll trust your knowledge. Casino Royale. She's she's a marvelous character, but she's also like a total
1: sacrificial object, and there is something very creepy about bond's interactions with her because there was like we agreed and this is like a dude right he and i agreed there was no reason he needed to have sex with her no especially their entire conversation prior to this was about how she'd been sold into sex sex labor at like the age of 12 or 13 or something right and then like what surprises her in the shower
0: like hi here's my dick like what just happened here okay when i saw that okay so they have the conversation and i was like oh thank god he's not gonna sleep with her because yeah. she was sold into sex slavery, and then two minutes later they're having sex. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" No, exactly. extremely uncomfortable, inappropriate, unacceptable, bad writing. Yeah, it's just it,
1: it. almost felt like the writers were like, "Oh, he is supposed to bone a lady in Better this movie. I guess we're gonna make him bone a lady." And I was like, "He already bone some ladies in the beginning, right? He boned a lot of ladies. I mean, ladies, those ladies looked happy about it, like." It was, it was really, I don't know. I didn't like that part. I felt like this, this is one of those movies that, like, I really enjoyed, but there were definite, like, major currents of things that I was like, I'm gonna have to shut off my higher brain in order to just, like, enjoy this without reservation.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what I kind of really want is if they could actually have, I mean, it'll never happen. It would have to be fan fiction. If they did, like, a story where Bond is, like, in some other country on some mission and Penny is still outside of M's office when mm-hmm. headquarters is attacked again and she has to get him out of there and like shoot a bunch of dudes in the face. I would be extremely happy. Even if they did like a 20 minute short film, <laughs> I would feel a lot better.
1: I would too. And I mean, I think that there's a way to do that assistant character that is not upsetting. And I think it's only because we saw her as a field agent and that like there was an offhand comment in the middle of the movie after MI6 has been moved to the underground sort of a lair where Bond is like, not everyone's cut out for the field. I was like, "Fuck you! Like you are the worst judgment of anything ever. Shut your face." Oh, but before we move on from this, we do have to talk about how fucking amazing Javier Bardem is at playing a crazy person, right?
0: Oh my god, have you seen his interviews? By the way, he's just like yes. he's so charming and sweet and lovely. And then they're like, he- "How did you play so creepy?" And he's like, mm-hmm. I have no clue.
1: Like if you you guys if you guys haven't checked this out, like Javier Bardem's interviews are universally adorable. Like, and he like once one out of four of these interviews, he ends up like making an animal noise, like bah or something. Yeah. Like that. And you're like, are you Javier Bardem? And then you like turn on Skyfall, and he's like a crazy acid eaten skull person who just. Like, sexually harasses
0: Bond before, like, destroying everything he loves, and, yeah.
1: He's, like, 20 pounds of crazy in a five-pound snakeskin bag, Batman.
0: Snakeskin
1: bag. He was great. He was one of my favorite Bond villains of all time because they didn't try to justify him, you know? Bond villains are too crazy and too big and too too grandiose to have like legitimate justification like you should just let them be nuts and Javier Bardem's character is totally nuts yeah and you sort of why he's nuts and like once you're like okay he's nuts and he has good reason to be nuts then he can do whatever the fuck he wants to and just like ruin everything and it's fine
0: you know what okay so here is one of my friends watches a lot of crime dramas like I do And says that her main problem is that they're always trying to justify the actions of, like, the serial killer, rapist, whatever. They're like, well, he was abused as a child, or, like, he went through this horrible experience. And she's like, sometimes people are just fucked up and crazy. Yeah. In the Bond movie, Javier Bardem, his character is just fucked up and crazy. And you're like, yeah, some shit happened to him, but that's not why he's, like, that's, it's not a justification for his actions. Yeah, of course not. And it's it's an interesting and
1: the way they parallel is really interesting, right? Because terrible stuff happens to James Bond. And like not on not necessarily on the scale of what he experienced in terms and they were both betrayed on some level by M. Yes. But then the way you decide to handle that is very,
0: very different. Exactly. Like Bond comes out of it, not unscathed, but in one piece. Yes. And Silva came out of that and was like, fuck everything, this is the end. It's just like an interesting parallel. Yeah. Oh my shit up. Like that is, definitely, yeah, that is
1: definitely a dude who just wants to watch the world burn.
0: Yeah, no. Some people just want to watch the world
1: burn. Raul Silva is definitely one of them. Yes. Uh and the other thing that we did over we, not we, you haven't done it yet. And I don't think you will. I don't after think I, I can. Words. I don't see. This is one of those things where I'm going to be like, it's really gay. Okay. And you're like, I can't, I don't have the strength and I completely understand it.
0: I have Tumblr. Tumblr shows me the gay parts without the crying.
1: You know what? I thought that that's how I felt. And then I watched the episode and I was like, oh God, this is like 800 times worse.
0: Ah. Um, so in
1: case you I somehow were off the internet for about two weeks, Merlin ended. So Merlin, after spending five years as one of the stupidest shows on television with like the dumbest plots and like the most ridiculous broken logic and that's like sort of fluffy and meant for families and children. It like ran on Sunday at eight, basically.
0: Unicorns.
1: Unicorns!
0: Fairies! A troll who likes farting. Yeah.
1: Alternated with like after five years Lancelot dying a lot. Um, After five years of this, they concluded the series, and what I have basically decided to start calling a punch fuck of an episode. Like, it was literally like someone was hitting me in the vagina (laughs) with anger and sadness the entire time I was watching that finale. Yeah. Basically don't need to know any of the lead up, aside from the fact that Morgana and Mordred are waging war against Camelot. As you do that Merlin has fully come into his powers as like an incredibly awesome sorcerer or whatever.
0: Arthur still doesn't know at the beginning <laughs> of the last
1: the Merlin is a sorcerer, right? Merlin's like,
0: like it's fine, I'll tell him later. <laughs> yeah,
1: still doesn't know. And then in the final battle, he gets stabbed by Mordred who is obviously thinking that Arthur's going to die the minute he stabs Arthur uh, that he's going that Arthur's going to die the minute Mordred stabs him. Doesn't happen. Arthur stabs Mordred back. Mordred dies. And then Merlin finds Arthur and Morgana is still searching for them. And then Merlin is like, he's going to, like, he's been injured with magic. Like he's going to die unless we take him to the Lake of Avalon, like the Isle of the Blessed in the middle of the Lake of Avalon. And we try to use old magic to save him. And so for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, Arthur gives his seal to Gaius, to take back to Gwen, who is his queen by now. And that is the last time they mention her. This is, like, the very beginning of the episode. Only time, last time he mentions her. Okay. And Merlin and him set off for the fucking Isle of the Blessed. As you do. As you do. And just, and then, like... As Arthur is like slowly dying by degrees on this journey, it's so it's slow and it's awful, like slowly dying by degrees in this journey. And in agonizing pain, Merklin reveals himself as a sorcerer, as you, yes, on Bradley James's face, what he tells him is just excruciating hurt, just like, how could you have not told me? And they plan this well, because Arthur is, like, too busy being debilitated and dying to actually run away or fight Merlin. So he's still relying on him to take care of him. But he's so angry and hurt about it. And by degree, is he slowly defrosts and asks Merlin more questions. And, like, along the way, he's like, so all of those times, you saved my life. Like, you never wanted any credit for it. You know, like, you never wanted to do anything with that power. And Merlin reiterates his point, as he's always had, which is that, I was born to serve you. The only thing my magic is for is to help you become the greatest king of Albion. Like, I've never wanted the credit. I've just always wanted to be with you. Oh. And like, oh are you fucking kidding me? And so it gets worse somehow. So they're like, oh. real, Like, it gets to the point where Arthur, like, passes out and is like, told me about to die. And Merlin freaks out, calls the fucking dragon, calls the slash dragon. That Arthur thinks he's killed. That Arthur, and like, makes and give them a ride to the shores of the lake right before the isle of the blessed right yes the shores arthur is like it's not gonna happen merlin merlin's like no no, no it's so close it'll be fine it'll be fine and arthur's like no merlin it's not and then he just like lies down on the grass basically right? so he collapses on the grass and merlin's still trying to pick him up in all of his like armor and shit like that and arthur just grabs his hand so wraps it around his chest presses his hand against him. he's like just hold me it's fine thank you no dies no the, He just dies right there lying in merlin's arms on the shores of the lake of avalon with the isle of the blast across the way and Merlin <sighs> obviously and then the next shot you see of him is him putting arthur on like a reed boat and sending him off into the river on, on, onto the lake of avalon like fucking like tears streaming down his face and some evil monster on the internet on tumblr put together a cut of gifts where basically like Merlin is crying like a motherfucker and it's from an earlier episode where Merlin's father Balinor dies and Arthur is like no man is worth your tears Merlin and then oh. the other guy in Merlin saying like well certainly not you and then you just see him like fucking weeping like a and you're just like why would you
0: do
1: <laughs> <laughs> And then and then
0: remember oh, it's not over yet yeah
1: you no, know, there's like one little bit left that just like was an extra kick to my ovaries right do you remember ages and ages ago where i said i would give everyone a million imaginary like pounds if they closed the merlin series with the modern day snapshot
0: did they do it
1: yeah they did here's how they did it though So the last shot is Merlin standing on the fucking shores of Avalon, watching the love of his life be dead, going into this fucking stupid lake that takes everything he loves from him, including the sword and Freya and Arthur. And then you like, you're sitting there watching a long, long shot of this lake. And then suddenly a fucking Tesco truck goes by like a giant car goes by and you pan out and you're like, Oh my God, it's modern day. And then it's not like modern day Merlin, Arthur, Gwen, Morgana, Mordred, everybody happy and alive. No, it's Murph as old man Merlin, dressed as a hobo with a backpack, like walking alone down this highway, stopping to stare at the lake some more, and still not seeing the once in future King return, and then walking off. It's what? like 30 seconds, and I was like, monster, Johnny Caps and Julian Jones. You are monsters. Ugh. But yeah, so that is how they ended that. And just like the the best part about this, right, is that having been sufficiently warned about the content of this episode from everybody and their brother, like I still decided to download it and watch it on Metro North going into Connecticut. Like I had, it was (laughs) Christmas and I was going to see family friends. So like I was fucking on this train around like a bunch of children and I'm like huddled by a window, like weeping copiously and all of these like poor six-year-olds are watching me and like mommy what's wrong with her and I wanted to be like
0: ever believe in the power of love (laughs) I feel like like life has let you down in some really tragic way I it's Merlin like
1: if nothing like even my shattered feelings aside like what the hell that was such a brutal ending for a show that is not do you know what I mean? Like it it's did a children's end- show. Exactly. Like
0: what uh, What? like how is that an appropriate ending for that? Like uh. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what to tell you, bro. That's that's the magic of England. They fucking Apparently. love that shit. Apparently.
1: But yeah, that's why I feel like you're never going to watch it.
0: Well, now I'm not. Now I'm I just going to go like, find fan fiction where like slutty modern Arthur gets, you know, Picks up a hitchhiker by a lake, and they get it on. That's disgusting. I bet it exists. Do you know what sort of hitchhikers you pick
1: up next to lakes? No, I don't. The sort that get you on episodes of Supernatural, okay? That's the sort of (laughs) hitchhiker that you pick up at lakes.
0: Not if it's Merlin and Arthur. They'll be fine. No. I have faith.
1: Lake lake hookers are not appropriate.
0: Lake hookers, if they have the sword. No. No? (laughs) Still No. no. You never want me to be happy.
1: I don't, I just want you to be unhappy forever.
0: So cruel, so unusually, like unnecessarily cruel.
1: It's how I roll, it's who I be. You fucker, yeah. But that was Merlin,
0: all right. That's
1: Merlin, and that's why I was like, You were never gonna watch this
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> we were never ever ever getting back together. So, the other day, guys, I was uh crawling Tumblr as you do, and I came across a post by the official Team Wolf Tumblr which, as you know, is the troll of the internet right now, like, (laughs) Max Troll. I don't know who runs that thing, but that dude has, like, a PhD in troll. I want to help him. Like, dear PhD
1: in troll holding runner of the Teen Wolf Tumblr, if you need assistance, I am, like, so there for you.
0: (laughs) I hate you. At any rate, um, he had posted this amazing, gigantic, like, one of the biggest gifs I've ever seen of fucking Dylan O'Brien, like, blinking beautifully and just, like, being adorable, and I was like, wow, I need to reblog that. And then later, I looked at the actual content of the post, which said, uh, in a perfect world, if you could have Dylan O'Brien read any piece of fan fiction, what would it be? <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that the people at MTV think is an awesome idea, is like, you know, making poor Dylan O'Brien read some of our fan fiction, probably on camera, recorded for posterity and like, all time. Um, all right. Suffice to say that, like, I would say most of the comments are people either being really excited or freaking the fuck out about the fourth wall. Yes. And then there's a couple of people who are like, oh my god, make him read DILF. <clears throat> so, obviously, I emailed 20-something and all of our friends and was like, oh my god, it could be you! <laughs> Hope you're ready to hate life! <laughs> So great! <laughs> it was really funny, right? Up until I saw someone vote for me, and then I was like, "Oh, I didn't really think this through."
1: No, no, you didn't. You completely failed to think this through. Now, the best part about this, right, is that now that this is there, I have spent most of my week amusing myself by uh, vote for you guys.
0: No. Yes. No. Yes. You're an asshole. I'm not an asshole. I just, you know, like, things. Suffice to say that this is a complicated thing. We're not really going to get into it. But you should know that it's not final. It's not like Team Wolf was like, we're definitely doing this. They were like, we might do it. This could happen. Tell us. And in the meantime, people have been linking them to fan fiction. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like there's, like, a
1: lot of stuff about the fourth wall going around right now.
0: There is. I think we could do, like, well. An entire
1: fourth wall.
0: yeah uh, I feel
1: like the issue with that is right I feel like the issue with that genuinely is that there's so many different levels of what people are comfortable with
0: yes and okay one of the the most common threads I've seen on this is people being like you don't know if the author is okay with that maybe ask them before you link their story to the Teen Wolf Tumblr right um like maybe suggesting the title probably acceptable but giving them a direct link, maybe not as acceptable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's such a tough one, right? Because I don't think anyone does these things maliciously. If you're linking to something, people are probably just really excited about this. No,
0: yeah, and I totally, I, I completely understand. Because part of me really wants to just keep linking to DILF.
1: Right. But then at the same time, like, I don't think that 20-something, I don't know.
0: I mean, we can't. I, I,
1: like, it. I know, I, I can't really say what she would do. But like, I know that if it was me, I would not want to participate in this.
0: Yes. So
1: like, I very much am a proponent of having the fourth wall. Like, I don't like it when it, it's burst open this way. It makes me really uncomfortable.
0: I'm kind of torn on it. I it depends. It's very situational for me.
1: So like, what about what do you feel about this situation?
0: Well, this isn't really real yet, right? Like, the people at Teen Wolf aren't like, we're definitely doing this. They're just like, we might do it.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, the more you guys encourage it, the more likely it is to be real.
0: But it's been, like, at the time of this recording, about 48 hours, and it only has, like, 700 notes.
1: Yeah, okay, that's a lot. And I, I'm, I'm just, I can only speak as someone who, like, it, I can only put myself into a position where, like, if this similar thing happened for one of my fandoms, and they were like, let's say, like, oh... They're going to have, like, a Bradley James Colin Morgan reading fan fiction thing. And a lot of people put my stuff up there. I would kill myself with fire. That would make me so unhappy and uncomfortable.
0: That's fair enough. I just... I, for me, it doesn't feel real.
1: Of course not. Like, it's, it'll feel real for you if they choose Covered Love and it gets read. Like...
0: Yeah, at that point, I would probably freak out and actually have to, you know, understand my own feelings. But at the moment, I'm yeah, just continuing exactly. to be and a robot.
1: I just think that it's one of those things where, like, you can't know... I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of the, the things where like, look, if you're the author and you submit yourself for this, fine. That makes perfect sense. Like you think that that sounds like a really cool thing. Go for it, man. That does sound like a really cool thing, but unless it's like the person who wrote it, making that call, like it's sort of, I don't know. It's, it's a little shakier on that ground, but then you come up against the problem where like you put something on the internet, it's publicly available. Like, yeah, what are you gonna do
0: that's an extended discussion. That's, you know, that would be complicated to have see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, maybe we shouldn't go into this anymore. Just suffice to say that yeah. it's happening and you should probably be aware of it fandom. If yeah, you exactly.
1: Like, like if it's, if it's one of those things where you feel concerned about it, like maybe keep an eye on it.
0: Yeah. Especially if you're an author, like if you're uncomfortable or if you're very comfortable, maybe let people know. Yeah. Cause they could be linking to your stuff. Exactly. Should we move on?
1: Yes, okay. we should move on. We should move on to some questions. All right, to break the dour mood
0: of this. It's a dour mood. It's not dour. It's just cautious. Dour. Uh, So we're not going to do all of the questions that we got, because some of them fit into episodes that we've already planned for the rest of the season, guys. But we are going to do a couple that have been sitting in our queue, like, forever, and we're really sorry that it took this long. Um, The first one is from Love the Boys, and she says, Do you guys ship any unconventional ships or moresomes? I know Prue just wants people to be bros, but you guys wrote for the big ships in your fandoms, and I was just wondering if there were any of the smaller ships that you guys liked, such as the OT-4 and SGA or Merlin. Um, I'll let you take this one first. Alright, um, primarily I just want two people to be together, uh, because I have all of my, like, varied concerns about who is on top, uh, but I love me some, like, OT4 action. SGA definitely read a lot of OT4 there. Um, Merlin, not so much, they were, they were, like, platonic OT4, or... No, like, plot, what, plot, NC-17, full-on sex pollen in the botany lab, OT4.
1: I do wonder, I don't know if that's considered OT4, though. I always weirdly, like, whenever I see OT, I always think, like, oh, like a happy functional polyamorous relationship.
0: Oh, I don't think I've actually found a story that did that successfully.
1: That's fair enough.
0: Okay, But people Sorry. can do porn very believably.
1: Yes, that's true. <laughs>
0: Um, I did read some really good stuff in Merlin that was like Merlin Arthur Lancelot um and even some Merlin Arthur Morgana I liked those I don't know it depends it's not like my primary thing but I super enjoy it when it happens right
1: yeah I'm I'm sort of like in I'm sort of similar but slightly different in the sense that I it has to be specific characters that I think that that would actually work for yes and one of the only more some unconventional ships I get I don't know how unconventional this is given that I think it's basically canon um are Elliot Hardison Parker from Leverage which I believe was basically made canon in the series finale
0: I still haven't watched the series finale I'm still in the Inception episode
1: it's pretty great the series finale is pretty great. We can talk about it more later, but okay. um, we should actually do like a leverage wrap up episode at some point, but it's a pretty great episode um, where I feel like those guys were made canon at the end of the series anyways. And it's the only relationship configuration. Uh, I believe that really makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know what? I love all three of those guys and it's the only, I could never decide if I wanted Parker to get with Elliot or with Hardison. I loved both of them so much that OT three is like the satisfying ending to that for me.
1: Well, I always liked, I always liked Parker and, um, Hardison as a couple, but I also feel like, I don't know that this is like traditional polyamory, like, I feel like Elliot's still going to go out and bang ladies, but like that he's actually in a relationship with Parker and Hardison. Yes. Uh, As odd as that sounds, but it makes perfect sense in my head where like for his emotional attachments and for his long-term commitments, like those are the two guys that he wants to be with. But that Parker, like Parker, sorry, uh, Elliot is sort of a free spirit and he's going to go, you know, do whatever. But they're home for him.
0: Right. Well, I think uh, it's because, like, for Parker, she's always going to be kind of non-traditional. Yeah. I fully believe that Hardison is like, you know, she's the one for him. He's okay. super in love with her. He might not be super in love with Elliot, but. I think
1: he is, but in a different way and in a way that works for them. Yeah. Um, but the other one that I was like, well, this is basically canon anyways, is in White Collar, Peter, Neil, and L.
0: Oh, yes. I can't yeah. read anything in White Collar that isn't OT3. Exactly. Like, it just, I I can read
1: it if it's, like, before Neil shows up and it's just Peter and L. or, like, but right. I love stories about the three of them sort of navigating their relationships and figuring out, like, the best way to be together.
0: Plus, like, I mean, okay, did you watch this week's White Collar? Mm-hmm. Not yet. Okay, well, suffice to say that Neil is having some emotional problems, and Elle's solution is bring Neil to our house for a family dinner with his father. Obviously. And it's actually really beautiful, it's just like like a lovely, like, they're meeting his dad and having a family dinner, and you're like- It's important that
1: you're finally meeting his family after years of sharing him. Um, yes,
0: and there's, sorry. oh, it's just, it's lovely
1: but uh so those are those are sort of my the two unconventional ones that I can think of off the top of my head I have written a lot of stuff that is for smaller ships that are less popular um like I actually wrote like a John Ronan story in SGA I think maybe like only two people ever read that uh but I I feel like almost anything can work if you find the right way to work it but as far as like the Morsums convention, I feel like that one's harder for me. Like I actually have to have characters that I like genuinely believe would work in that manner.
0: Well, so you have to worry about the mechanics, right? The more people you oh, get-
1: My God, I've never, like I am never writing a gangbang again. Like <laughs> i heard this story, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Well, in case any of our listeners haven't, I wrote, I wrote a, a Rodney gangbang story all the way back in the annals of SGA called End Shriek. Uh, and bang (laughs) we're basically it's a lost boy story where like they're all hopped up on the wraith drug and they basically just have a gangbang um as you do this was really i like halfway through i had a great arrested development moment where i was like i made a terrible mistake (laughs) (laughs) basically like Five dudes fucking and I was like, I am out of pronouns. None of these guys have names. There's a lot I of dicks. Who, whose penis is in what orifice? And I am so tired right now. <laughs> I crammed this thing on a napkin on someone's couch. because I was <laughs> sleeping there for a night before my flight out. And I was just like, my life, this is this is awful. I've made a terrible mistake.
0: <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. I can't go back.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. That's I um you know, when it, there are a few things that bring me out of porn faster than, I don't know whose dick is where anymore. I don't <laughs> think that's physically possible. I have, re- you know what, it's really funny because people used to
1: make jokes about like bad porn where they would be reading and like, wait, what just happened there? And I've never really run into that before. I've
0: run into like- it a lot.
1: I, well, previously, I'd never run into it before. And it was just like, oh, well, this may not be great porn, but it's not really like the sort of thing where I'm like, wait, where did you get an extra arm? And then very recently, I read a story where I was like, I literally did the reading equivalent of a U-turn. Like, I was reading this thing and I was like, what? Like, I made that noise out loud. I was like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Like, you just, your hand was there. The arm doesn't bend that way.
0: Yeah, a lot of the time I have the problem where I'm like, Hold on, I thought this dude was lying on his front, but now I think he's lying on his back, and I don't remember anyone flipping him over. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? How did you get from his ass to his mouth? Like, how did you get there?
1: Exactly. You know what? Like, writing porn the same way that you should investigate crime... Investigating crime, follow the money. Writing porn, you, like, track the body movement, guy. Like, you be very watchful because you will sprout extra arms and people will develop extra openings and shit. And that's weird.
0: Yeah, it is. You really need to keep track of all of the, like, orifices and limbs. If you can get, like, those little, you know, the sketching things for art class, the little mannequins. That no, are, like do not get that fandom. Ignore her. I'm just saying, that would really help me out if you could use those when you were writing.
1: No, ignore her. Don't Don't listen to her. She's crazy. Just imagine what your family and your friends are going to do when they come into your room.
0: just just keep it tucked no i'm sure you can put that shit in a box no 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 No, ever
1: no just no ever
0: (laughs) we should move on to another question
1: yeah so what is the next question uh okay so next question from Trivi. i'm convinced the new q in, was cast in Skyfall just so the inception Arthur Eames fandom could have themselves a Merry Little Christmas. How could it be anything else? Hunky brick of a man, slim dark haired boy, they're pandering to us, bless their hearts. uh Well, I think it's a nice coincidence, but I actually am reasonably sure that's not why they did it.
0: I'm <laughs> gonna disagree just because there's a long history of porn like that.
1: You think that they intentionally did that?
0: No, but I'm gonna say that there's a long history. It- in all media of like a big dude or a big person and like a smaller waif-like person in any show sure but i also like i don't i mean i
1: think it's a nice coincidence and i think that it worked out well for skyfall fandom but i don't think that that was why they did it at all okay. i think that they were looking for the right person to play q and they had a mental image of him and Ben wishaw just happens to be the perfect
0: fit <laughs> he does look like he spends a lot of time out of the sun in front of the like lovely blue glow of a computer screen Oh my God. MK! Did I tell
1: you this? I'm just going to tell the internet this because I have to like exercise the shame. So worried. I went to the, so I haven't been for a physical in like four years. I lied and told my doctor was like three, but it's been like four years since I've had a complete physical done with (laughs) like blood tests and shit like that. Because like you don't get physicals on the NHS, right? Like you just show up when you're sick. What? Yeah. You never have to go for a physical. All you ever do is like, if you're ill, you go to the doctor and that's it. Okay. Just dream. Cause I hate going to the doctor. Um, but so this time I moved back to the States and I had to get like a new doctor, which means that I've been to the doctor three times already. And I still haven't had my physical, like Jesus. blood tests, test discussion. And so like, I just went yesterday to get my test to like discuss my medical tests or whatever with them. Do you know what they put me on vitamin D? I'm on official, like, fucking horse pills for vitamin D. Like, I... It's a good thing you can
0: swallow. I'm gonna have fucking rickets <laughs> r- Oh my god, no, listen, I know a guy who almost got scurvy and his doctor was like, you need to start eating some fruit. I, like, but the thing is, like, I look very healthily, I just don't go outside, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh wait a minute, how, have this, how has this never happened to me? And I'm like, oh, your star burns. Like, I need to only go to Well, eight. have they
1: ever actually done a hardcore vitamin D blood test for you? They don't do blood tests on me. They're like, eh, you look fine. Yeah, that's the difference. Like, if you were in the U.S. and they did a full blood panel on you, you would probably come back with a lower vitamin D than me. But so anyways, like, the range that you're supposed to be in is, like, 30 to, like, I don't know, 60? Okay. I was 13. <laughs> Nice. And
0: I was like, motherfucker.
1: So I have to go to the, I have to go to the pharmacy and get some vitamin D horse pills and take one a week for the next eight weeks. Amazing. And then I have to go stand out in the sun for like 11 minutes a day.
0: Good, good job. I got a doctor recently, like a new doctor, because I've lived downtown for like 10 years and I never got a doctor. Right. Um. And I went in and she like asked me a bunch of questions and then she was like, do you want to do a physical today? And I was like, I don't really care. And she was like, great. See you never. <laughs> i want that doctor my doctor was like it's great to see you let's talk for 45 minutes i'm gonna poke you with
1: this fucking thing i'm gonna send you for follow-up tests because you have family history of x y and z you're gonna be at the doctor's office forever
0: oh i was like can you give me a flu shot and a tetanus shot and then i'll just be out of your hair and she did it was like five minutes two needles one in each arm peace out
1: yeah no i'm gonna basically be at the doctor forever. And the conclusion is going to be, you'll be dead by 30. And I'm like, fine. We could have said that at the first meeting. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: No, you're going to live forever. That's not true. You're Chinese. Yeah, but my body
1: clearly wants me dead, so.
0: If my body hasn't killed me from, like, living on Doritos for a long time. Like, Doritos and Yop, which is mostly sugar. What the fuck is Yop? (laughs) It's drinkable yogurt for children. That's disgusting. What's wrong? Sometimes I just really want yogurt, but I hate yogurt, and this is like, like the first ingredient is sugar, and you drink it out of a bottle. You are
1: awful. You're just gross.
0: (laughs) You love me. Not really. We should move on. Okay, Okay, so we did have several Anons ask us questions via the confessional, and this is the first one, and she actually had three questions. So, one, how much time do you spend reading fic or on total fandom-related activities I'm super impressed by your ability to variously write, record the podcast, vid, edit the podcast, and read a lot of fic, while also having full-time jobs and non-fandom friends. How? (laughs) Good question. This,
1: when she runs it down like that, it does sound sort of ridiculous, right?
0: Um, yeah. Okay, so. (laughs) I don't know about you, but for me, I do a lot of shit at work that I probably shouldn't do. (laughs) Um, I'm really good at my job, my boss loves me, like, I get shit done, but I am very fast, and so I just always have a Kindle with me at work, and I always have my pinboard unread page open, and whenever I don't have work, I'm reading fan fiction, or, and just mean like, delete, 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 no, never reading this. <laughs> um, I, so,
1: I'm very good at my job, but my bosses hate me, and my job is horrible, and what would we say like eight times as stupid as yours
0: yeah yeah minimum. yeah
1: something like that and like this is my new job my old job was just as bad but with a different side of like horribleness
0: I think your <laughs> like, old job was worse really yeah
1: okay I can't even tell anymore I'm so emotionally damaged from I'm just my...
0: basing it on like what I get from you in chat
1: that's true um it, it's like I have a long history of just like oh is this job awful I'll take it um <laughs> Yep. So I don't get to do a lot of finished stuff at work, but since I usually live in cities where I have to, I take public transit and commute into work. Um, and I have a Kindle and I have the Instapaper app on my phone generally speaking, almost every fanfic I read these days is either I read them right before I fall asleep, like lying in bed with my Kindle, or I'm reading them on the train or on the bus when I was in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to, and like on weekends when I'm running around, I'll read when I'm out and about. Uh, in terms of like hanging out with friends and stuff, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of my real life friends are sort of like, they cross the line, like fandom friends as well. So like Marilyn is like a fanish friend, even though we don't actually share any fandoms. Um, but mostly we just hang out in wine bars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Uh, uh, And you're like, despite my best efforts, a real life friend. Despite your best efforts, whatever. You invited me to sleep on your couch. I know, but that's before I really knew you. (laughs) Yeah, now I take up all of your time. It's too, it's too late now.
1: Um, I've got my hooks in you. That's true. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where you just have to kind of like, you, I feel like, this has always been true for me, I'm pretty sure it's true for you too, MK, where, like, you make time for the stuff that's important for you.
0: Kind of. Okay, so, there's a long-standing, I don't even know if I can call it a joke in my family. Let's call it a joke, but it's not funny. Okay. Uh, which is like, if you share the same last name as us, you probably have five jobs. You might yeah. not need them, but you do. So, I have my daytime job. I record for Tokyo Demons, which is, like, it's work. It takes a lot of time. I also run a business on the side. Uh, we do this. And I'm just like, I don't know. Should I be doing more work? <laughs> My father's like, yes, you should. You should definitely be doing more work. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you. But for other stuff, okay, vidding. I can't vid all the time. I tried vidding this month. I've been vidding on a, like, working on a Team Wolf vid for, like, a couple weeks. And I realized that I was just wasting time because, like, there are times when my brain doesn't do fitting. Right. I looked at what I had made and I was like, nope, just yeah. gotta put this away until I'm ready.
1: I feel like, I feel like you're, I feel like you're right in the sense that, like, I, I mean, I was just mentally going down the list of stuff that I juggle, right? So, like, I work on a short day, 11 hours a day. Yep. Uh, and that's, like, without, like, I have no breaks to read stuff. And yeah. basically, like, walking in through the door and, like, going full speed ahead until i can sneak out of the office at seven it's my nightmare and then it's pretty shitty you would you should not work for these people uh so i work like 11 hours a day and then i have this i do the podcast i still write fic i promise i'm finishing girl astrad and
0: so podcast is like an hour or two on Sunday and then like half, or sorry, on Saturday and like half the day on Sunday.
1: Yeah. And then I also, I'm currently writing a short story for somebody. um I have book marketing stuff now for Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, which you guys should all go to the website, which is Nothing po- Can Possibly Go Wrong and pre order the book so people will stop yelling at me to tell people to pre order the book. um And then I have like, I take a class, I take Korean classes on the weekend.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm taking a Con Ed class too.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, like, I don't sleep as, I don't sleep as much as I should, but it's one of those things where, like, I wouldn't want to give up any of the stuff that I do do.
0: I sleep a lot, but I'm also the kind of, I have a lot of, okay, it's very stressful for me to spend time with more than, like, three people at a time. Right. I can do it, but after, like, three hours, I'm like, I have to leave and not see anyone for a week, and that will (laughs) give me time to get other shit done.
1: Yeah, I don't have that, I don't do that quite as much as you do I think but I still I still will be like nope I've had a lot of people around this month I'm gonna hang out and do nothing
0: I have the introvert sickness
1: I don't think it's a sickness I think like I find it really interesting I actually let me revise that I find it really obnoxious when people are like oh but just come out you never come out like I hate like if you know your friend is an introvert for the love of fuck leave them alone like don't spend yeah, like, don't try to guilt them into hanging out with you, because I have a, an acquaintance who I, like, don't call a friend anymore, um, who does this all the time, and it makes me completely fucking insane, because they know that I'm, you know, that, like, if I hang out with someone for a really long time, I'm gonna want some time alone, because I have stuff to do. Yeah. They're just unrelenting. See, like, my no, friends are pretty good about that. No, my friends are fucking awful about it. But then my friends aren't really, like, these are, this person specifically is... Definitely not a nerd at all, like, super uh, and yeah. you know exactly who I'm talking about, too. Yes,
0: I will say, uh, for writing, I know this is very different for Prue than for me, but when I wrote Cupboard Love, we weren't recording and I wasn't bidding and my plan was write a thousand words a day until it's done, and that's what I did.
1: Yeah, no, that's I can't good. do that.
0: If I get a thousand words, I'm good. No, you write it like th- I've been at your place. It was three in the morning, I woke up, and you were laughing, and I was like, what's going on? And you were like, listen to this. And you were writing. Yeah. It was like, you have work in the morning, how are you not, like, a zombie? I need to sleep, like, ten hours a night.
1: I'm really lucky if I get five a night.
0: Oh, that's, I can't even, like, I would die. I would just shut down and die. I want to a lot, but, like, that's, that, like, honestly, if I was gonna, like,
1: p- pare down my commitments to a manageable level, like, it would, I would have to, like, bail out of fandom entirely.
0: You know what? Here, okay, so my plan is one day I'm gonna get you up here for like a semi extended period of time, like maybe a week and a half. Okay. And we will go to the farm and we'll just be there for like a weekend. Every time I go to the farm, I get up there and I'm like, wow, it's really nice. And then I pass out for like 16 hours.
1: That sounds really nice. I would love that.
0: Really nice. There's nobody around. Would
1: your dad let me go?
0: Of course. He'd probably be like, here's a rifle. Let's shoot some tin cans off the fence. I don't wanna shoot. Too bad. There'll probably also be like, I caught a raccoon last night who wants to kill it. No! Oh my god! That's before breakfast, P.S. Tell but him if he makes me kill a raccoon, I'm never taking you as my bride. He can't make you kill a raccoon. I've been saying no to killing raccoons since I was like six.
1: I know, but tell him I still will never take you as my bride.
0: Okay. I can't even mention you taking me as your bride because then he would get his hopes up. <laughs> you guys think I'm joking, I'm not.
1: I know she's not joking.
0: Let's move on to the second part. Uh, okay. Oh, follow up to the tropes episode. Do you like his dark materials AUs? How about the other standard fantasy AUs, like Hogwarts or Pern? Or take your fandom to work, like John and Rodney are marine biologists and work in an aquarium, just like the author.
1: I fucking love his dark material AUs. They're lovely. They're yes. one of the only times where I like animals. <laughs> Story.
0: <laughs> I have a special weakness for his Dark Materials I use. I'll read all of them, even if they're terrible. It's, like, with the Sentinel, I have to have them all. Right. Um, I also love Pern and Hogwarts. I think you- hey,
1: Pern love Hogwarts?
0: Yeah. So I will read anything where someone has, like, a fucking psychic connection with a dragon. That's- Something with fire. It's the best. Um, take your fandom to work. I often really like these. Not always, but, like, 90% of the time. Yeah i think it depends on like
1: what the work is
0: what the work is and how much work experience the person writing it has because okay i know coffee shop au is like everyone writes a fucking coffee shop au i have not i know but it's very common um but when i a lot of the time when i read them or when i read stories that are like it's clear i god i'm really sorry about this guys but it's really obvious when you're, like, 14 and have never worked before, because people write shit into this that you're like, that's not how that works. Yeah. You need to weed Google. <laughs> Just do it. Just do some Googling or talk to somebody who has a job. Like, ask them a bunch of questions about it before you write that shit, because that's an instant failout for me. Yeah. If you're like, Styles is 14, and they, like, leave him alone to manage the store by himself for, like, a week, and he pays himself- no. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> But otherwise, if they're done well, I love them.
1: I really like them myself as well because I really kind of like knowing sort of the inside baseball story of people's work because there's, like, a lot of stuff that, like, we can never know because we're not involved in it. Yeah. Uh, The particular example that the person brings up, the Shed Aquarium SGA one, is fabulous, right? Because, like – So good. That was such an interesting story. Like, you get so much insight into, like, how that stuff works, and it's really intriguing. And I feel like that's a good example of how you have an interesting job, and therefore it helps to make an interesting story. But I also think that you can have, like, a really boring job, and you can make it really interesting. Yes. Depending on how you actually convey the story.
0: I could probably make a good story based on my job, and I don't really, like, there's a lot of downtime. I wouldn't, but I could.
1: (laughs) I would kill you, because then I would read it, and it would just remind me of, like, how your job is versus my job, and then I would just, like, nail you a bag full of poop.
0: You have to remember, I make significantly less. I would... Uh, still. You would still. have to adjust your lifestyle in order to have my lifestyle.
1: No. no. Poor, but happy. Not, not the same.
0: Not the same. Uh, let's move on to the third part.
1: What is the third part?
0: Remember back in the day when the Slash the Slashers meme went around? Would it make you super uncomfortable if Slash Report showed up on Yuletide list next year, or would you roll with it?
1: I don't- I would not want to speak for everyone. Like, I know for a fact MK and I would not give two dams. That would be hilarious.
0: I would totally print that out and mail it to you, even though you had already read it. I know. Like, we would definitely, like-
1: I would, like, annotate that shit. I know. MK and I are, like, completely fine with it. Like, our running joke is about her father forcing his to shotgun marry her at some point in our lives. Yeah. So, obviously, we do not mind at all. I, mean, I would not say that that's, like, a blanket thing. I don't know. I remember Slash the Slashers. Um, I was, like, just, like, a baby LJ fandom person back when that first went around and i remember that going around i don't know whether or not everyone would be up for that but in case anyone's listening who like was hesitant about this for yuletide or whatever we don't care go for it if you want to write slash report slash or like slash report pick. go fucking nuts
0: yeah i support you 100 percent.
1: yeah we're curious to see where this goes basically (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: yes one of our nuns on the confessional asked, have you considered setting up a slash report Tumblr? It'd be pretty cool and also really handy to have the ask feature.
1: Uh, so basically, what this boils down to is that we're at the moment not planning on creating a slash report specific Tumblr. This is because both of us actually have Tumblrs of our own. Um, MK, what's your URL? Mcluts. M-K-L-T-U-T-Z. U- U-T-Z, right. It, yeah. At Tumblr. And then I'm just rage-proof rock at Tumblr.
0: It's really... Uh- Our usernames.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I feel like if we had another Tumblr, we would almost never update it.
0: Uh, yeah. You know what? I have a queue of 130 things on Tumblr, and I I could not handle another one. I have
1: a zero queue of things on Tumblr, because I actually really dislike Tumblr. Um, my primary use for it is looking at pictures of stuff and hitting the reblog button, like, occasionally. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. So I would not be the one to curate the Tumblr. MK has too much other shit to tumble on her own thing. So it's unlikely that we will have that. However we both if you have you the asks, ask feature. Yeah, like if you want to direct asks at us, just like feel free to ask us at our individual Tumblrs. Yeah, and if you just say it's for
0: slash support, we'll stick it in the queue and we'll answer it on the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh and we have one last question, which is the
1: question for all the ages from twenty something.
0: Well I'm my friends with you guys.
1: We don't know, 20-something. We don't know why you're friends with us. Have I ever I told you how uh, 20-something and I first met? Please tell me again. <laughs> Sultry summer, many years ago, uh, it was when Torchwood, Children of Earth, was coming out. Oh, and the last episode had aired, and I hadn't watched any of them. But Marilyn and I were going to watch them together, and she was like, hey, my friend, 20-something, is going to be in town because um, they know each other from college. And she was like, do you mind if she comes? I was like, yeah, yeah, bring her. So, 20-something rolls up. We have, like, seven bottles of wine in the apartment. And we order takeout Chinese. And my first memories of hanging out with this girl are sitting in my apartment, dehydrated from crying and booze, <laughs> watching Turquan. Good And job. that is our friendship sprang to life.
0: I'm, I'm unsurprised. Like, completely how unsurprised. You,
1: how did you end up meeting her?
0: Uh, I came to New York to visit you. Right. And... <laughs> At the time, 20-something and Lupagus lived together, or, like, we were about to live together. And And right. Lupagus was arriving in town that night with all of her shit. And you were like, do you want to, like, be the getaway driver slash help someone move tonight after dinner? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> why the fuck not? <laughs> and Lupagus arrived at, like, midnight. We had been eating at this weird restaurant, like, a couple blocks from their place. And then I, like, had to drive her car around and be like... I can't park here. I hope the cops don't stop me. I'm not American. But when we went to the museum and they asked for my zip code, I said 90210 and they laughed at me. Like...
1: <laughs> and uh, then we uh, sat around in their apartment. Have That's you so noticed weird. that every story of ours is awful?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And every story involving Lepagus moving in cars is awful. Like one of the earliest times that Lepagus, me and Marilyn hung out was when I think Lepagus was getting rid of a couch oh, God. And, we were, and she was like, what am I going to do with this thing? And Marilyn's like, we'll take it. So we stuffed it in the back of a minivan or like an SUV that she had rented for the move.
0: Mm-hmm. And there
1: were no seats left for Marilyn to be in. And like, you can't sit in the trunk of the car in New York because it's like basically illegal.
0: Uh, it's illegal everywhere.
1: Yeah, so we basically put Marilyn on the sofa in the back of the car and threw a blanket over her. It's <laughs> a bird. And had to drive through Manhattan.
0: At <laughs> just I'm really surprised that you didn't get arrested.
1: Me too. And then, and then the two of them went to move the couch upstairs, and because I have weak arms, because I'm delicate. Yep. Yeah. Bruise, like, the doctor literally looked at me yesterday and was like, wow, you bruise really easily. I was like, what the fuck? And then, <laughs> bruised like a peach. We moving the couch upstairs, and they were like, you just sit in the car and drive if you see the po come. And I was like, at this point, it had already been, like, five years since I'd driven a car.
0: Oh my god, that's exactly what they said to me. And one, I hate driving, like, I only have the license in case I get into the situation from the movie Speed. Yeah. And two, the last time I had driven had been like five years before this event.
1: Exactly. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, well, if the Po do come and I have to drive, I'm glad they'll be on hand for my inevitable incident, right? Like I'm gonna go into traffic and hit a hobo <laughs> by accident.
0: It also okay, one, driving in New York is very different from It's no,
1: terrifying. Wait, yeah.
0: When I learned to drive, I learned to drive in a suburb off of Toronto. Where one car lane is actually, like, the width of three cars because the people there are quite fancy. Right. Like, that's where my driving instructor took me. He's like, it's great. It's really easy. You can swerve all over the road and no one cares because you have three car lanes to yourself. Like, no one cares. <laughs> I only learned to drive so that I could get to and from the comic book store and in case Keanu Reeves needed me to take over the bus. Understood. Completely legitimate. Right. Um, and... When I got into the, like when twenty something was like, Here are the keys, just drive if you see the poe coming. I was like, What is a po? <laughs> like my first response was like, I have to figure out what she just said and translate it into something. You didn't like... know what the Poe is? No, I was like, what the fuck is the Poe? And then I was like, Shit, she means the police.
1: Yeah. You did not know what the long. means. <laughs> are we done? We need to do Rex. We have to get out of oh, here. Oh
0: shit, Rex. I have three Rex from the Winter Hiatus. What I read on my winter hiatus. Woohoo! By MK, um, come fly with me or don't. By Haynes, it's a teen wolf story, which is Derek Styles. It's kind of like a close to canon AU. I'm pretty sure it's full human. Um, where it's many years later, there were no werewolves. There was no like bullshit happening. Styles has become really successful and like co runs a company with Danny and Lydia, where they like I don't know they made apps or something. It's like small right. but successful. And he's in an airport in, like, Los Angeles trying to get home to his dad for Christmas and, or not LA, I guess he's in New York, because it's been snowed out. Like, they're like, we can't take off. All of the planes are grounded. We're so sorry. We'll let you know as soon as you can. And so he's calling Scott because Scott is like, what if my baby is born tonight? It's Christmas Eve. Right. And Stiles is like, your baby is not Jesus. Like, (laughs) I'll get home when I get home. Calm the fuck down. Calm your tits. Yeah, tell Allison to hold it in. Right? And the guy next to him starts cracking up, and he looks over, and he's like, holy shit, it's Derek Hale. We went to high school together. Right. Um, And Derek is like, oh, no, I totally don't remember you. Yes, he does. Turns out Derek, like, had a giant crush on Styles in high school, never did anything about it, actually maybe works at his company, and they've just, like, and has recognized Styles and not done anything about it.
1: Nice. And Good. they
0: spend Christmas Eve in this airport, and, like re-fall in love, and then they bang in a hotel, and then they take off and fly back to Beacon Hills. It's, like, Got it. Got it. really touching. Like, it's a beautiful story.
1: <laughs> Nothing says touching like banging in a hotel room at the airport.
0: You'd be surprised. You read it, and you're like, oh, man, they're banging in a hotel room. I have all of these feelings. Like, it's actually really beautiful. This author did a good job, okay? I believe it. The next one is Just Glide by Beware the Ides 15. It's another Teen Wolf story it's Derek Stiles. Just Glide is the story I found that I was like, how is this possible? It's like Star Trek. Like, it's a space AU where Stiles and Derek are basically two people who've been put together by the equivalent of Starfleet to run a two man mission in a small shuttle craft. And it's extended. It's going to be like several years. Right. We don't know each other that well. Stiles has never set foot on a planet, he was raised entirely in space. Right. And, uh,. For some reason, they get hit by a rogue asteroid and kind of knocked off course, and they're injured, and they don't have power, and they have to, like, huddle for warmth until they get back into sensor range of some other ship. And in theory, it's a plot-what-plot, but there is so much world-building and character development in, like, this short sex story that it's actually, like, like I would read 800,000 words of this and never be happy. Like, I sent it to the Hoyden, and she was like, holy shit. I want all of that. And I was like, yes. Like, a, it's amazing. Excellent. And the last one is a BBC Sherlock story called The Heart on Your Sleeve by F- Flawed Amethyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like the timer AUS, but in this case, you have a mark on your wrist that is kind oh, of like a Oh, the I heart. know this story and I love it. It's so beautiful. And as you fall in love with people throughout your life, it becomes pink and gets darker and darker, or if your heart gets broken, it gets, like, a scar across it, like, it it really, you are wearing your heart on your wrist. Right. And Sherlock's pride is that his wrist is flawless, like, he has never had anything in that spot, because he doesn't have feelings until he meets John, and it starts to fill in, and he, like, covers it up and hides it, because he's like, John doesn't love me. Um... And he's like, you know, if I if I just power through it, it'll go away and it'll go back to normal. But no, it becomes, like, incredibly deep and rich. And then the Reichenbach fall happens. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. Like, I was just like, ah, the feelings. You should
1: just definitely read it. I will second that rec. That's, a, that's an exquisite story. And I'm done. Okay, great. My recs. I have four. And they sort of span the reading material that I hit while I was, um, while we were on hiatus and I was making bad life choices. Mm-hmm. I did not have a Merlin story because I decided to break up with that fandom forever. <laughs> 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 fucking finale. Yes. And I have gotten back to the point where like, I can look at his stuff without crying yet.
0: Reasonable.
1: So my first recommendation is, um, a Skyfall double OQ story called A Pox on All Your Machines. And it's one of the first stories that was, and it's by Sia Scribe. It's one of the first stories that came out after the film. It's incredibly charming. And it's basically about uh, the way that Q makes everything go wrong for James Bond via the magic of technology every time he's angry with him for taking unnecessary risks. It's lovely. It's very well paced. It's very funny. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a good, lighthearted read my second recommendation is a story called Harvey Specter doesn't do gay panic by that other perv. (laughs) Obviously uh, it's a Harvey Mike story and it basically boils down to Donna calling Harvey out on constantly flirting with and hitting on Mike. And she's like, you need to stop that. And he's like, I flirt with everyone. And she's like, yeah, but most people don't flirt back and aren't actually interested in you. So you need to stop being like a cruel tease. At which point Harvey realizes he is being a cruel tease. And in an effort to cut it out, accidentally tricks himself into a sexual panic or like a gay, like, a gay panic it turns out to be like an incredibly it's an interesting story because the first half of it is very charming and funny and like feelings full and then the second half of it has some incendiarily hot smut like such hot smut (laughs) so that sounds like it might work for you i would highly recommend you partake it is choice as ferris bueller would say nice uh, the next story is probably one of my favorite social network fics that I read during my dark, deep troll through that fandom. Yes. It's social network Doctor Who crossover. Um, and the story is called Place That Don't Know My Name by Antistar E. Um, the story basically starts with Eduardo walking out of the conference room after the lawsuit is settled. And he's so at a loss at what to do with his life that when the doctor shows up with his giant police box and asks him if he wants to go see the world, all of the world, he says, yes. And he goes on these marvelous adventures with the doctor. It's a story that really, I don't like the doctor who franchise. Like it's very sort of cheesy for me. And it's not the type of show that I generally enjoy, but the story and to E's writing has really captured like the breathless hugeness of the universe and sort of, the lovely wonder of it all. And she comes up with these wonderful sort of hilarious interludes where they run into Amy and Rory and they meet all these aliens and like Eduardo kind of finds his footing and realizes the person that he's supposed to be and knows that he's bigger than his history of failure and regret and all these other wonderful things. And um, I really liked it and think that everyone should give it a shot. If you really like Dr. You should read it. If you like social network, fic, you should read it. If you like, Oh, Hey, okay, that's money for you. <laughs> My <laughs> my last wreck is an Avengers fic. It's *The Once and Future King* by Brigantine. Um, this is probably my favorite Avengers fic that I have read to date. It is lovely. It is fun. It's about Steve Rogers getting to know the 21st century and constantly taking off his cowl because it makes his head hot. It that story. Just thinking about that story it makes me smile really hard. It is the story that makes me so happy. And this is a version of Steve that has been hurt and that has gone through a lot, but is still capable of this dizzying joyfulness, which is just so lovely to read. Uh, yeah. Oh, and it's a Steve Tony story. So if that was a weighing factor for anyone, but it's lovely. And I think absolutely everyone should read it.
0: Nice. That's it. I think we're done.
1: We're so done. Oh my God. This podcast has gone on forever.
0: Yeah. We've literally recorded for two hours. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Welcome back. I know. I know. It's good to be back, bro. Yeah. This is going to take forever to edit. It shouldn't be that bad. I'm going to kill myself. You're not. We have to end this. We have to end this. All right. We'll see you guys on the flip side, guys. Bye. Bye. You should say something. Hey, bitches! Classy.
1: Okay. We've
0: just given them a lot of medical information about us.
1: We're gonna cut a lot of this out. Don't worry. Oh, are we? Yes.
0: Ugh. Sorry, I choked. That's fine. Um, on the thousand horse cocks. Um, (laughs) penny arcade, not actual horse cocks. Don't worry. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna cut so
1: much.